From WPVMLP in Asheville, it's the Dirty Spoon Radio Hour. I'm Jonathan Ammons, and this is Circuit de U. As a journal of consumable culture, a lot of our focus here at Dirty Spoon seems to be on food. And while that is our primary avenue, we like to keep that door open for anything and everything that we consume. Art, poetry, prose, and even music. We've had the pleasure of speaking to a number of incredible guests over the years, and today's musical guest is yet another that I was honored to have the chance to sit down with. 
The first time I heard Haley Four's powerhouse voice at the helm of her mind-bending and esoteric project Circuit de U, I wasn't sure what I was hearing, but I knew I was hooked. The only way I've been able to describe it to people is that it sounds like what I wanted all those crazy Nico albums from the 60s and 70s to end up sounding like. Fully realized, bold, and audacious experimental pop from a deep and booming alto voice. The music is dark and simple, yet simultaneously extremely intricate and moody. She began the project when she was still in high school and released her first record as Circuit de You in 2007. She's since released seven albums under that name, as well as a couple Americana-driven records under the moniker Jackie Lynn. The ever-productive self-produced composer and singer put out her latest album, EO, earlier this year on Matador Records, who were kind enough to ask me to speak to her ahead of her Sunday, June 5th show at the Grey Eagle. But before we get into our conversation, here's another one from her latest record, EO. This one's called Vanishing. Thank you. 
Kelly Ford, thanks so much for joining us on the Dirty Spoon Radio Hour. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, you've just released a brand new album. Is it called IO or is it EO or how do you, how do we how do we say the the name? Uh, EO. Awesome. Cool. It's a great record. I've listened to it a bunch. We actually played it right when you put out the first single from it, uh, Dogma, on uh, on our radio show, and I was floored. I was like, this is really awesome. Can't wait to hear more of this record. And uh, yeah, tell me a bit about the album, how it how it came to be. This is what your one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh record? Uh, sixth record, yeah. I um, It came out in October of last year. Uh, it's, um, a very cinematic record. It features like a 23 piece symphonic ensemble. Wow. And yeah, I wrote and recorded and arranged everything largely on my own. And I'm really proud of it. I mean, it's an emotional, heavy, tumultuous, but also like colorful record, um, yeah, it's really stormy, is the description I kept coming up with. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of emotions, you know, a lot of hardships the last few years for all of us. And um, for whatever reason, this is the album that I had to make, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's really cool to see the progress of your career, too, how your sound has really evolved and developed. Um, especially turning into this like rich, nuanced, experimental avant-garde, almost neoclassical kind of stuff, especially coming from some more guitar-based stuff that you started out with. I wonder if you could talk a bit about that process and how, you're, how you've seen your style evolve and how you've adapted to your own evolutions, I guess. Yeah, I think my first caveat um, toward self-expression was through my voice and I am classically trained as a singer. I started taking voice lessons when I was around 10 years old and um, I studied professionally until 18. Um, And through my course of studying, I also um, learned about recording as a teenager. So, you know, I'm self-produced. I've done a lot of self-recording. Other than my voice, I am self-taught on all instruments. So for me, uh, my music early on was just about figuring out how to accompany myself and my voice. So the acoustic guitar, you know, it's a pretty standard folk instrument. It's really affordable. Um yeah, it's easy to sort of just put your fingers down and figure something out. <laughs> <laughs> right. I moved to Chicago in 2012 with my acoustic guitar and some microphones, and everything got stolen out of my car like oh, no. a week within moving here. And it sort of led me to um, finding this 12-string acoustic guitar in a pawn shop, and it really hmm. has, has affected my music profoundly um the 12 string guitar is really uh like gorgeous resonant um instrument to sort of accompany yourself on it has so many overtones and it kind of has led me to um the record that i released last october um 
you can just hear so many octaves and uh, frequencies when you play the 12 string that overtones and um, yeah, I was just hearing, I was hearing full ensembles, you know? Yeah. And I attribute, I attribute that to sort of the chorus like effect that the 12 string has. That's so cool. Yeah. I, I love the way that uh, just having a different instrument and dedicating yourself to it long enough to understand it, like really opens up far more creative doors, you know? Yeah. I mean, I could go really deep about my guitar. Oh, please. I, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll nerd out. <laughs> I mean, I have a nice, nice guitar now and its name is Boom. And, <laughs> you know, I've done, we've traveled the world together. So I have a really, it's almost like a security blanket type attachment to her. But yeah. also, I mean, it, it's just like a really, an instrument that was really malleable where I've gone through phases in my career where um it's just me and boom and a distortion pedal and um yeah it can (laughs) it can it can just transform this really soft tender uh like instrument into something really visceral and you know like through using overdrives and um like i said messing around these overtones i really like fell into basically writing for like a full orchestra pretty swimmingly like awesome. you know yeah yeah and for people that listening that don't understand the difference in a 12 string and a regular um guitar you know explain the difference between what it does because it is a much more complicated instrument and you know it plays about the same as a regular guitar but just gives you something so different yeah i mean it's nothing to be afraid of or intimidated by really it's just a guitar that has 12 strings instead of six and um half of the register are doubled octaves and then the other are an octave above or under the corresponding string and like i said when you play maybe just an open g um you're hearing like multiple matching octaves of that g um and there's something just magical about it, um, depending on what room you're in or the yeah. resonance of the instrument really change. And um, yeah, it just lended itself to me hearing things that I don't think I would have heard otherwise, you know. And it's it's typically an instrument we hear associated with a lot of like jangly pop music like the birds or something, but uh, and folk music. But you've really twisted it into something of a unique application here. Yeah. I mean, David Bowie played a 12 string in his early days and yeah, yeah, it can have a sort of psychedelic uplifting, like you said, be more of a (laughs) rhythmic instrument, but yeah. Yeah. To me, it's like a bass clarinet or something. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I just went and saw Brian Jonestown massacre just played in town. So I got to see them and man, that talk about 12 string heaven there. It was just all kinds of psychedelic goodness going on. (laughs) Right on. (laughs) But uh, yeah. And you talked about doing, being self-produced and and starting out as kind of a bedroom producer and, and creating, you know, your own recordings. Um, and that was like 2007, you were putting out the, that first record. Um, and that's, I mean, I was just starting out then too, doing audio production. And I remember it was kind of hard to get your hands on some of this recording gear, you know, we were just getting 
the first albums put out on laptop that were produced on laptops and stuff. So you really kind of grew up with the technology, I guess, huh? I mean, yeah, I started with a four track like cassette recorder and then I did go to school um, for ethnomusicology and recording arts. Oh, cool. So, Where was that? Um, that was Indiana University. And it just allowed me, like you said, to have access to these, to like studio environment and gear, basically. Yeah. So you grew up in Indiana. Let's let's get some background on your life. You grew up in Indiana? I did. I grew up in Lafayette, Indiana, and moved to Bloomington when I was around 20. And then after graduating, came to Chicago uh, in 2012. Cool. And when did you and you had been studying voice, what what type of music were you listening to because I'm sure I mean you know, a lot of us have backgrounds in like classical choirs or whatnot, but we were listening to much weirder things at the same time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, like if I go back to junior year of high school, which is when I started Circuit Day um, like wow. Glenn Branca and <laughs> Sonic Youth and Sleater Kenny and, um, even like oh Mersbau, I remember oh, finding yeah. like a Mersbau CD. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I was really all over the map. That's pretty great. I don't know many many high schoolers that were getting into you know Mersbau, but <laughs> I mean, I was a f- I was a strange teenager. Like it was not an easy time for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm guessing there weren't many places to to see live experimental music in your in your hometown huh there was a very small contingent of people um maybe like 13 of us and we did all right really there was a small yeah there was like a gay club that i had a fake id and like punk bands would come through no one really of like of large stature but i mean i like the vivian girls and the black lips and like you know that kind of garage rock thing that was happening Awesome. They came, yeah, they came and played in my hometown, so that's something, I guess. Oh no, that's a lot. I feel like those, this small things like that add up a lot bigger in those compounded environments, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. I feel like I hear a kitty back there. I know. Hold on. I'm sorry. Okay. My cat is. He just needs to get out into the garden real quick. It's such a beautiful day. Go ahead. All right. What's, what's, we won't hear we won't hear that anymore. What's your kitty's name? <laughs> His name is Kiji. Um after Kaiji Kaiji Haino, the um guitarist, noise musician. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty great. Yes. Now we're, He's a sorcerer of sorts. <laughs> we're we're big cat fans around here, so <laughs> always happy to have a have a guest meow. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I guess uh so from there you had started when did you start getting into recording your own stuff was that um high school era as well for you or yeah yeah i yeah i was got really into it you know yeah Uh, four tracks or like i had a four track recorder with a internal microphone and it was i don't know a life changer (laughs) yeah and you and from there like you know 
I think it's always interesting learning about people's production styles because it teaches you a lot about how they come to approach arrangement. And, um, you know, you were mainly playing, so it wasn't like MIDI mapping stuff. You were mainly working with straight to tape. Um, how did that affect what you learned to play? Were you mainly just sticking with guitars? Were you working with keys? What was what was going on? I mean, up to today still, I, I predominantly work in an analog uh, form. I like, hmm. I like instruments. I like people. I like things that like resonate in a room. Um, so yeah, I've been pretty sort of like, I record a lot of my music straight to, you know, tape, like you said. Um, I don't really get bogged down in computers and programming. It's just more about getting my idea out as quickly as possible sometimes at first, you know? Yeah, definitely. And like in that way, I'm not like a gearhead either. I mean, I know it depends, I guess. <laughs> like I know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's definitely like a $5,000 microphone that my I know my voice sounds best on. Um, but I don't know, really when it comes down to it, um, I'm like just as apt to pick up like a pot and pan to like be like, oh, I need some drums. Here's some pots and pans rather than like a CC drum kit. <laughs> right. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, you know, your work sounds very organic. So I, uh, I, I think, yeah, that's a, it comes from a very organic place. It sounds like. Um, yeah. I mean, also domesticity, I think is so interesting. Um, like there's so many clues in music and I have an interest in private press records and kind of just records that use sampling or use things that, um, I don't know, like signify a narrative other than like, like sub subverted, like in a subvertive way, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. There's something like that. There's something to that. that's like investigative and like interesting to me. <laughs> You're tuned to The Dirty Spoon, and my guest today is Haley Four, who records her music under the monikers Circuit DU and Jackie Lynn. The Dirty Spoon Radio Hour is made possible by our underwriter, The Marketplace Restaurant. Serving Asheville for over 20 years, The Marketplace is Asheville's original farm-to-table restaurant. The Marketplace strives to bring you the best of what our region has to offer, farmed by our neighbors. For more information on our underwriters, or to support us yourself by subscribing to our Patreon, please visit dirty-spoon.com. Something deep 
Dishes from the 2015 Circuit Du You album, In Plain Speech. Here's the rest of my conversation with Circuit Du You's Haley Four. I really love your, your track from uh, 2015, the Do the Dishes track. <laughs> I was noticing that in that one. It almost has like these weird sound music concrete kind of things going on. Almost like a Steve Reich or Philip Glass kind of piece. And then it just drifts into this kind of ambient thing. And uh, if you're, com- I, w- I assumed that you were doing that like digitally, but if you're j- doing that more organically, I wonder if you could talk us through like how something like that comes about and gets written. Sure. Um, so for Do the Dishes, um, it's a Laotian, like what you're hearing in Do the Dishes is a sample of a Laotian um, ethnographic song. Huh. And the way I found it, uh, was my boyfriend at the time was a DJ and he had an SP 404, which is, um, a sampler that's got these big ass buttons on it. So, uh, you don't really have to know much about like beats. You just press a button and like the sample plays. Right. And it just so happened. It was very (laughs) serendipitous. I'm like sitting down doing my daily rituals, trying to make this song. And I turned the sampler on and, uh, there it was. Huh. So <laughs> a boring story, kind of, but 
I don't know. That's just how it goes sometimes. It's like this sample's already been cut up for me and put on this sampler. Yeah. From a record that's in our living room. And um, yeah, just went with the flow, you know, just roll yeah. with it. I think that's that's the best way to do it sometimes. I've got this little sampler app that just recently came out for iPhone called Flip. And it allows you to record like like a little NPC like that, put like little samplers, samples on each of like these 16 channels that you just hit with a button and then it also gives you like a keyboard that you can play the notes with and i keep going everywhere with that thing and just like tapping on stuff and recording it or like holding out the window when we drive by and somebody's blaring music and it's like you never know what you're gonna get and what that'll turn into it's really fun oh that's exciting yeah i love that kind of like chance music (laughs) yeah i feel like the happenstance really helps it helps provide new ideas and things you wouldn't think of otherwise absolutely like cut (laughs) cut the human mind out of it (laughs) and like then you'll get something beautiful (laughs) yeah reductionism brian eno talks a lot about like being a reductionist and not overthinking your work and uh Mm. you know that creates for him astounding like minimalist beautiful stuff but i think you know for anybody it can provide space for you just to come up with new ideas yeah i mean the happy mistakes, I guess, is what folks call it. But I I use it. I use it all the time. Yeah. I've noticed with your work, too, it seems like you have you went from... Your earlier records are, are more kind of standard four-chord songs or, like, you know, chord-based songs and progression-based songs. But on, on EO, it seems like a lot of this stuff is more um, drone-based and more pattern-based than it is chordal, I guess. Um, I wonder what that transition of, of, or what that process of composition looks like differently for you of how you start a song versus how you used to. I mean, the drone is ever present in all of my records. It's something that I enjoy and like rely on. I don't know. It's kind of for me, like my earth hum or something. It keeps me grounded and, um, yeah, I'm a city dweller, so there's something there, I think, represented in the drone. I also, like, have found that my style is sort of like, I like to utilize fragmented minimalist um, phrases, uh, but in a maximalist kind of way. There's something going on there with the unit and the whole. There's some representation that I just really enjoy where on its own it doesn't make any sense and then it sort of reveals itself amongst other bits and pieces as you know a collective uh, melody if you will yeah so i think there's there's a lot of that sh- that shows up in my newest album yeah um, but also making like 23 people do it you know at the same <laughs> time <laughs> when, when you're writing this stuff, are you writing those parts on with your voice, or are you you doing that on guitar, or keyboard, or how do you how do you develop each each individual part and line? I mean, I use everything on this last record. I used a lot of this transistor organ that I have. Oh, cool! In my living room, and uh, I think that gave way to more strident. Um, kind of like pat, like walking toward winter or vanishing. Um, these songs that are more like sculpting the exodus. You can just hear, I think, um, a different buildup and chordal structures, like you said, but also 
um, I don't know, something about it feels like more rippled. It's like more rippled in time yeah. and less fragmented. Um,
So I wrote everything to sheet music this time, which is really new for me. Oh, cool. And it's a language that I've had for a while, but I've never really utilized. Um, uh, you know, composition is, I've got some issues, uh, a lot of rules, but, um, yeah. <laughs> but I have really enjoyed it. And there's something that ha- has been happening to me where full, <laughs> this album, it was like full, like full melodic passes and harmonic, like, arrangements would kind of fall into my head at once and i used this program sibelius and it was just so lovely yeah it took almost no time at all i didn't even have a midi keyboard i just sort of dropped in notes with my mouse one at a time and two years later in a pandemic like you got a record you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and you did this you were you wrote this record at a beach right (laughs) Um, yeah, I was at a residency. <clears throat> I was living on Robert Rauschenberg's um, beach property in Captiva, Florida, when Whoa. I was writing these string ensembles. Wow, and that's a p- space with a legacy behind it, huh? It it was so vibey. Like the energy there was like kind of heavy. I mean, yeah, you know, there's a lot of his work there, like just kind of hanging out. Um, huh. and I stayed in his bedroom and, um, I don't ah. know. I don't know. Like I find islands to feel kind of oppressive. <laughs> like I have a fear of the ocean, you know, it's like, you're just surrounded and, um, and it made me realize how dependent my sound is on the weather. Huh. Uh, or it's just like, it would really was a new portal into like music and emotion. And uh, I did the best that I could with my time given. It was five weeks. Wow. So. Okay. Yeah. When, when people yeah. think album composed at a beach, I don't think they, they would think of something quite this dark, but at the same time, the beach is a menacing environment, <laughs> you know? I mean, the beach is an inhospitable place. Nothing lives on the beach, like actually on the beach, you know, yeah. like, Things come and pass through and maybe, like, look for food. But the beach is the line for argument. It's, like, where <laughs> it's where land and water meet and they, like, come to terms with each other, you know? Yeah. it's Everything in that environment is screaming inhospitable, you know? <laughs> it's just saying, you cannot live here. Yeah, that's a exactly. great way to put yeah. it with the, the, it's the place for an argument. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah, and you, I know you had suffered a, some major loss in your life going into this. And I mean, everyone was dealing and reeling with the pandemic going into this record. I wonder if you could speak a little bit about that. Feel free to dodge the question if you, if you don't. Yeah, I mean, I lost some people in my life that were kind of like in my inner circle, you know, in my top five, I don't know, whatever Mm. you want to say. And I know I'm not alone in that. Um, But, you know, so death and writing about that experience, it was kind of, it was my first interface, you know, my first time interfacing with, uh, mortality in like that very real way and um something else was going on and i know i know other people in my life felt it but it's 
something about the past and memory and time and the way it unraveled it's very difficult it was very difficult to um you know not like succumb to um the things that once were and like they kind of snuck up on me and it was it felt like being in the bardo or something you know these yeah. place you read about where it's like past ghosts and uh yeah i'm doing much better i mean when i wrote the record it was a bomb but it was also really isolating and i think it sounds like the music that could only come from a single mind you know it's like a single source of i don't know reporting back from this like crazy heavy place i was at and i'm just like reporting back from that place yeah i mean it's it, it feels very isolated and um but it also feels very clear like it seems very clear and focused and single-minded and uh was this written during lockdowns and like during pandemic time um it it was i mean not entirely i think i had 70 percent of the songs written but all of the string arrangements and a couple of the songs for sure, we're just like after the fall, you know? Yeah. It's hard and it's awkward talking about that part of life, you know? Oh, for sure. um, but it is meaningful and I don't know, it's like so profound. And I, in the past, I felt like a pretty spiritually uh, healthy person, but. There's like a real chasm of faith going on right now. Like I just, faith is so interesting to me and I wish I had more of it and I'm looking for it. And I think as heavy as like looking toward loss and death and like as like hard and painful as that is, there's a lot of, there's a lot of information there. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting how these, how these things come into our lives that kind of just, it's almost like seeing a light come on the dashboard of your car where you're like, Oh, Oh, Oh no. (laughs) I'm going to have to address this very big thing now, aren't I? (laughs) You're like, and, and it can be something very insignificant or it can be the death of someone or multiple people very close. And it just throws you into a position where you really have to be introspective and look at yourself. And I have to, imagine that it had to be a relief to have a place to work that out and a medium to work that out through. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've done, I've done some, like, uh, I do mental health work on myself, you know, through talk therapy and through, um, also, you know, texts, like readings and podcasts and all everything, Yeah, you know, but music is the thing. Music is my medicine. It's what I always come back to ever since I was a little girl. And I'm just so grateful for that to have like just the linguistics, to have the language to like, for me, it's so easy. It's like I'm crying and there's the door to music just wide open and I can just crawl in, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I hope everyone has something like that, you know? For sure. I think it's, yeah, I think it really shows too that you're, you're, you're doing the hard work to to get 
these results, you know, to show, to show yourself in a better place and to find, find mental health really. Cause I feel like listening to this record, it doesn't sound like doom, even though it's very dark, you know, it's just acknowledging that the darkness is there and that it's, it's something you have to live with kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I, I'm kind of, uh, given myself the title lately of a, of a psychonaut. I'm, I realize I'm like, I really am like a psychonaut in this way of, you know, when I was younger, I just was very experiential. And now, you know, as someone that deals with depression, just like investigating uh, these different places that my mind can go to is important. And when it comes to grief, it felt like, the craziest most detached journey um you know you you mentioned the dashboard and i'm like maybe i thought i was riding a bicycle the whole time and then they're like a light on a dashboard I'm like where the <laughs> hell's the dashboard coming from you know <laughs> and to me this is like the psychonaut inside of me where it doesn't always have to be ex- existential but just kind of investigating and trying to like imbue that experience into sound so that someone else can revert to it if they find themselves in the same mental place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, tell us about the tour and, uh, tell us about what, uh, what we can expect to see at your show coming up here at the great Eagle. I'm really excited. Yeah. I'll be there in a week or two. And, I'm performing. Brett Naki is opening the show. Um, it's me and a string player, and we have visuals, and it's very gauzy and it's very dark and like ritualistic. Um, I would say it's probably my heaviest live show ever, and I love it. Um, yeah, it's everything to awesome. me. I'm like, yeah. Well, I, I, I certainly am looking forward to seeing it, and uh, I'm, I'm sure we will get, get plenty of people out there for you. <laughs> but I hope so, Jonathan. Tell everyone you know. Yes, I will, I will personally <laughs> drag people there. <laughs> Have you played Asheville before? It's been a really long time. Um, I have performed at the Moth Light. Uh, oh, yeah. R.I.P.? No, wait, is it still there? It's gone. I miss that venue so much. That place was so good. It was. It had fantastic sound, great people. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to coming back. Yeah, and you're playing Grey Eagle, which is like one of our, our longest standing venues. It's, a, it's, it's, it's the old stalwart. It's, it's a great spot. Hallowed ground oh, down here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you want to talk about anything else for like two minutes? It's not as heavy. <laughs> yeah, anything you want to bring up or you want me to ask you about? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I will say our show is known for getting like going to all the dark places. We have no problem getting like super deep and 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 getting weird with things. <laughs> So most of our listeners are pretty used to it. <laughs> okay, that's nice to hear. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, like, I'm doing leaps and bounds better than before. Maybe not better, I'm just in a different place. But, you know, like, yeah. the garden is here and the blooms are sprouting and we've got 
cucumbers. We've got cilantro and basil yeah. and tomatoes. <laughs> awesome. And we've got the sun. And, you know, yeah, that was kind of lovely to find my sanctuary. We all found our little sanctuaries after two and a half years of like, you know, sitting there. Yeah, I feel like... It's funny. I've been I, I, during the pandemic. I, I actually started attending like a Buddhist temple and doing meditation and stuff. And I've never been a very spiritual person, but I one of the things that I but I've wanted just just develop a practice of meditation and and mindfulness. And uh, one of the things that I learned was one of my favorite things that they teach about in that is like how the process of meditation is learning to live with yourself. And how the world mm. is just constant chaos, and all suffering comes from thinking that you can control that chaos instead of just mm. learning to swim in the waters. And um, the coolest thing for me over the past couple of years has just been having the entire world shut down like that and being like, oh, I have to learn to swim in this all the time. Mm. And just being like, I don't have to control it. I don't have to feel like I'm in control. I just have to learn to respond instead of doing something with it. And uh, yeah, I th- I've kept thinking about that when you were talking about the um, being at the beach and doing all this work at the beach of being like, oh, yeah, that's learning to tread water and not have to swim with the destination in mind, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Destination where? Nowhere. Destination here. Yes. Destination here, y'all. Destination just <laughs> experiencing where you are and being there. Yeah. <laughs> that is lovely. Thank you for sharing that with me, Jonathan. Definitely. No, thanks for sharing your 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 experience and your struggles and your your hard work and working on all of this stuff. I think it's it's really remarkable to see and it I think it really shows in your music too. Like um you know, it shows a lot of that same struggle and hard work and, and learning to to be a complete person. And I think it's just really mm-hmm. awesome to hear that in, in someone else's experience in doing that, you know? Thank you. That means so much to me. I appreciate you. <laughs> no. Well, I, I certainly appreciate you and, uh, and your work. And uh, again, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you. Talk soon. Bye. I saw you standing from afar The child in the stream Waiting in the tears of every Convict on the street I saw figures forming round you And I'm worried that they'll kill Your glowing skin, unknowing eyes What hasn't happened to you yet You're surrounded by the same Public to choose one witness from the dream you 
had tucked inside your untouched heart before you were even seen. You speak your truth out loud, not knowing what it means, and then they'll steal your intuition and call it state property. You're surrounded by the same When I was seventeen, you'll keep your body and restore your soul. Six times in your life, each time will be more bold, and I give you every. on Sunday, June 5th. Thanks to Haley for taking the time to talk to me for today's interview. The Dirty Spoon Radio Hour is made possible by our underwriter, The Marketplace Restaurant. Serving Asheville for over 20 years, The Marketplace is Asheville's original farm-to-table restaurant. The Marketplace strives to bring you the best of what our region has to offer, farmed by our neighbors. For more information on our underwriters or to support us yourself by subscribing to our Patreon, visit dirty-spoon.com. The Dirty Spoon Radio Hour is a production of Dirty Spoon Media. All of the text from our stories is available on our webpage, dirty-spoon.com. There you can also catch up on past episodes, as well as subscribe to the show and help us keep going through our Patreon. The incredible artwork on that page is by Corinne Pease, Katrin Doza, Ashley Icomedes, Kelly Minear, Garnet Fisher, Paul Choi, Maryam Papineau, Claire Winkler, and Alex Knighton. Music in this episode by Circuit DU. Many thanks to Jake over at Matador Records for helping us line up that conversation. I'm Jonathan Ammons, and I'm the editor-in-chief. I handle the music selection, production, recording, audio editing, and write some of the original music. Tune in next month for more stories, conversations, and music from the people who shape what we consume right here on the Dirty Spoon Radio Hour from WPVM in Asheville. Looking back on the day